Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Guidance for Movement. This is Meredith just jumping on to record a little intro um, to give you some frame of reference for listening to our very first episode. In our intro, our brief intro, I mentioned how we would kind of talk about our relationship. We are still going to do that. However, we kind of decided it'd probably be best just to kind of jump in and give you a little taste of the conversations that you'll be experiencing on this podcast. Um, And then as we kind of get into it and as you get to know us, then we'll delve into the the more uh, deeper parts of our relationships. I think one of the things to to just note is that uh, neither of us have done a podcast before. Um, so this is new. And while we do champion vulnerability and uh, brutal honesty, um, I just think it'd be better if we kind of like eased you into it. So um, yeah, I hope you enjoy this episode. It is called Emotional Dialysis. You will understand why <laughs> as you listen to it. Um, yeah, I hope you enjoy. If you have any um, thoughts or anything you'd like to share with me about our podcast, um, any questions or anything like that, you can absolutely reach out. You can find me on Instagram at Tarot with Tux, which is T A R O T W I T H T U X. Or you can email me. Um, currently, you can email me at tarotwithtux at gmail.com. I'll probably create an email for the podcast. I haven't done that yet. (laughs) So you can find me there for now. Um, All right. I'll leave you to it. Enjoy. Hello, and welcome to Guidance for Movement. Um, I am one of your co-hosts, Meredith, and uh, this is my dad. Hello, everybody. I'm Brian. All right. Um, So, of course, I don't know when this will end, but we are currently still in the COVID quarantine situation that we're all in. Um, So, yeah, how are you doing? (laughs) Well, it's it's an adjustment. And uh, as well, you know, I mean, one of the things that it has been a struggle for me is that I can't, uh, you know, visit you kids, uh, you, um, and then your older brother, uh, Christopher, um, because they, you guys don't live with me anymore. So it's, that's kind of a challenge, but it's always good to hear you on the phone and we're, we're talking now. So. Yeah, no, you're right. It, it, it's so weird. Like not just not being able to go over to somebody's house. Um, You know, what's interesting really is, so there was a post that went around earlier on um, during this, like when this all started, and it was somebody, a woman who had been through the polio pandemic, and I guess it was less of a pandemic, but anyway, it was still a big deal, like my grandpa had polio, um, still has polio, sorry, well, like, you know, he had it, he's still alive, but anyway. Yeah, so, um, but anyway, the post was just talking about how her mother kept her family 
quarantine, didn't let the children play with the other children on the street. She was very meticulous and careful about how uh, she got her groceries in. You know, they didn't go to church during that summer. And then at the end of it all, they were the only family whose children didn't have polio. And the CDC even went to them, and I don't remember her name, so I apologize for bringing her up and not telling you who she is, but it's, it's, it was a post that went viral on Facebook. And um, they interviewed the mom and was like, how did you guys not get it? And she said, we literally did not interact with other people. And so I think what's interesting is that a lot of people aren't, they aren't, I don't want to say they're not taking it seriously because I don't think that's necessarily the people's intention, but I don't think people are truly understanding what the meaning of quarantine is and that you really can't just because your family doesn't mean that you can spend time in the same room right now, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And what I would say is, um, first off, that story, that's pretty amazing. And I would say I have not seen anybody, especially in my neighborhood, and I can even speak for myself that, you know, of course, we need some groceries every now and then. Um, and then with the kids uh, that are still here at the house with me, I guess I should mention, we I've got a daughter that's uh, a, a senior this year. So it's just totally, that's a whole different topic and story, but you know, mm-hmm. it's terrible for her. And then I've got a 14 year old daughter who she was just glad because she doesn't have to go to school the rest of the year. She, she gets to do it here at home. Mm-hmm. A seven year old son that he, he's just, he's glad he gets to run around the house all the time <laughs> now, but uh, <laughs> you know, somebody, we have to have groceries, you know, there, you can prepare all you want, but there's just odds and ends you need here and there. So of course I, like I've told you, you know, I was sick earlier this this year, about the end of January, leading all the way into basically first part of March, that I really believe I had the coronavirus, which uh, this morning I actually sent an email to my doctor that I had seen on the late stages of me being st- sick, probably about two weeks before I, it, it went away. Um, and asked him point blank, did, did he think that I had the coronavirus? And he said, he came back and said, I'm pretty sure you did have it. And so, you know, I guess I feel safe, more safe than sending anyone else out of the house. But of course, I still, I wear a mask. Um, but you go in these stores and people are not wearing masks, even people that are working there. So it's, it's definitely a case where people are not taking things seriously and I'm not really sure what we could do different to make them do it. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if the answer is you, you know, just start pulling people over or have roadblocks and make sure that they have a really good reason to be out and doing what they're doing. But, um, I I would hate for it to, to, to get to that level, but, um, Hopefully, it's starting to flatten out. I mean, that's kind of what the news is showing, but I I, I guess we'll have to see. Yeah, and, you know, of course, this is not, I'm not going to bring any new information to it, but I think what's interesting, too, that we're we're seeing is that people, the, the true lack of 
education. So I'm not even going to call it understanding because I, you know, it's as humans, there's a lot, there's a lot to know about the world that we live in. And it's, it's not necessarily your responsibility to know everything. I think that's why there's a lot of us, but, um, I think it's what, what we're seeing is the product of people not having great education about, um, I mean, something as simple as germs, you know, and I don't say that like as a judgment, but just like I've heard it put and I'm sure a lot of other people have heard it put that you got to think about germs as glitter. And anytime you have glitter on you, <laughs> if you've had glitter on you, you, you know that it doesn't come off easy and you're going to find it days later in random places on your body. And that's just how glitter works. And so you know, it's, it's, it's truly this idea of like, you know, and not to scare people, but it, but it's this idea that it, it might, it might could be anywhere and we need to pretend that it is because if we don't, you're just going to create more of a problem. And, and really this is a situation. It's interesting that, I don't know, it's, it's interesting that we're starting this during this time, but also, you know, you and I have this different perspective that we share because, you know, Yes, in this case, you you had you probably very likely had COVID. I probably did too, and we both did fine. But you really are an immunocompromised person, and uh, right. I mean, and that, that's what I was going to bring up is that you know people will learn through our talks. But uh, I had a kidney transplant back in 2010, so I'm very adept at making sure that I, I keep clean environment around me, always washing my hands. I kind of was like that before, but now I'm really that way. I mean, like I never use towels to dry my hands. I use paper towels so that you dry them off with something that's fairly, you know, it was clean when it started and then you throw it away and don't reuse it. So, um, but there's lots of things that, that you're right. The general public They've never had a reason to do that. And, and as you mentioned, when you were talking about that, I mean, listen, this is all new to me, even though that I'm 55 years old, um, I, I don't have any kind of frame or reference of, of this type of lifestyle that we're in right now. I mean, I, I've told people the only, you know, of course, we all, you went through it and I went through it and a lot of people listening to the show went through 9-11, but it really was a whole different animal. They, you know, they closed down airports for, I can't remember, three or four days or a week. And then, and then it reopened. But, you know, within a week's time, everything was kind of back in sync. Now, it took a while to get people's fears back in, in, in uh, you know, where they didn't have fears. But, but basically, the you know, the world as we know it, like it is now, wasn't shut down. And, um, you know, the only frame of reference that I that I had in my lifetime was in the 70s. I don't remember exactly what year, but it was probably mid-70s. There was a gas shortage. And so I remember, you know, people lining up in cars. There would be 200 cars in, out in the street sitting waiting at gas stations and they would be there for a day and then a tanker truck would come fill the tanks up and then you know however many cars like 30 40 cars would get gas and then once it was empty 
those people that were still in line, they just got to move up and then they had to sit there another day to get gas. And, but again, that's, it's, it, that really is nothing compared to uh, what this is. Yeah, you're right. I mean, this is just an absolute whole different, whole different thing. And it's, um, one of the things I think is important too, is to talk about the fear because I mean, look, like we talked about, I mean, having anybody, and I'm sure everybody that's listening knows somebody that's older or that is immunocompromised. Um, and then there are also younger people, you know, having this very severely as well. So it's like right. fear, I think, is really being highlighted during this time. And um, I think that one of the things that's that I've noticed um, is kind of this. So for the longest time, I mean, this is really shifting gears, but I think for the longest time, um, humans, like we've all had this kind of programming that you can't have two things at once. Right. This, this idea that, you know, well, if I'm, if I'm really angry, um, you know, I can't, I can't be happy about something else. Or I don't know, that's kind of a bad example. One of the, one of the examples that we, we've talked about before is like, um, somebody who works really, really hard, um, and that's their main focus. And then their family life kind of gets put on the back burner and they don't have both. They don't facilitate, um, cultivating a space for both of those to exist at the same time. And so I think what we're learning, um, and you're, you, you've spoke to this too, is, is, really the truth that you can have both things at once you can I can you know I can have some fears I can take some precautions that to some people might seem kind of you know outlandish or like too much um but then I can also you know on the other hand like rejoice in what I have been given which for me and I think for you too it's like just this extra time with the people that I do live with. I mean, I only live with one person. I live with my husband. Um, and, you know, you live with your, the younger, uh, my younger siblings. And it's like, those are the things we have to nourish. And those are the things we have to focus on. And why can't you have both? Yeah, right. And um, one thing I thought of while <clears throat> you were talking about the, the fear and all, you know, I have a favorite band, and you, of course, know who it is, but it's Driving and Crying, and we both share the love of their music and have been to shows and, and hope to go to more later. But there's a part of one of Kevin's songs that says, not afraid to be afraid. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it speaks to, I think what you're you're speaking of is is there's fear in all all aspects of life not just when there's a pandemic and the fear, if you let it will help you, you know, overcome challenges and, you know, show you things that, that maybe you need to work on or, and, you know, you and I, that's, that's been a, a goal of ours, you know, for 
many, I don't know, several years now is, is that we have these conversations because we're trying to help build each other up and help us to, to be better, just better for ourselves and for our families and for other people, you know, that we come in contact with outside of, of our family. And um, so, yeah, I kind of shifted gears a little bit too, but, and, and I don't know, maybe you can speak to what we've talked about that, that, that fear helping you, but. Um, yeah. Yeah, no. So um, that's really important. I think anytime we're met, with resistance um, in our lives. So whether it's fear, fear is a, is a great one because there's a lot of things that we are innately afraid of. Um, dying's one of them and that's clearly being highlighted here in this situation. Also like loss, loss is another one which doesn't always mean dying, but you know, anyway. So I think anytime we're met with this resistance or things that we're afraid of or things that make us really angry and we don't know why it's like, those are the opportunities. Um, follow. I like to, like, I got this, I got this from somebody. I, I'm going to try not to reference too much, but anyway, a woman named Jessa Reed, she has a podcast and she coined this term in my life, which is let the pain be a roadmap. And so I think anytime we, yeah, anytime we were met with resistance, it's like you have to explore that and figure out why. What is it? Is it something outside of you that's causing that? Or or is it something that that you can kind of work with, you know, and and move through it? I think the most important thing that you'll you'll hear us harp on is um is if you if you attempt to work something work with something rather, and you attempt to move through it, chances are you can, and it's not going to be as scary as you thought it was. Yeah, exactly. I, I, there's many things that I've, I've said probably, you know, to you and your brothers and sisters, but um, I do believe that um, when, the, when bad things happen to you in your life, uh, you know, when it the, the the day it happens, you think, man, this is the worst thing that's ever happened. And then, you know, when there's some point in your life, whether it's, you know, a day later, a week later, four months later, five years later, at some point in your life, you're going to look back on that, whatever that was, and say, that was the best thing that ever happened. And yeah, you know, exactly. on, top of that, on top of that, I I'm having kind of a probably a senior moment, but what you mentioned, it's um oh I can't maybe I I just can't think of it right now. Um what the was it like the pain being a roadmap or like was it fear of fear of death? <laughs> no, nah, it was probably the the fear being a roadmap. Um oh I, I know what it was. It is you mentioned the things not being as bad mm -hmm. and you know my experience over the years has been the things that you obsess of obsess over worrying about how it's going to turn out you know and it could be a test it could be like if you're in school and you, you you're so worried about the test and then when the test is over you you look 
you're you're reflecting on it and you say, wow, that wasn't so bad. And my experience is that basically everything that you build up in your mind to be like something you're really dreading, it's never as bad as you make it out to be. I mean, I, I, I can honestly say things are never as bad as I make them out to be. I've let my mind, like you said, you're, it builds up in your mind and it's a, it's a negative thing. You, you let, allow that to happen. And so because I know that, I try to, you know, think differently. And if I have those thoughts come to my head, I go, well, I'm not going to worry about that because because I don't hey, I don't have any control over it. Mm-hmm. it it's the test is going to be however it's going to be. I can't I can't force anything on it. So I might as well just go into it with an open, clear mind, you know, and, and happy. And then your, your results are going to be better. Um, I don't know wait, what you think of that. Yeah. Well, yeah. So. One thing that I think I hear I hear you saying it, but I want I want to clarify it just just for sake for the sake of clarification. But um, so you're you're absolutely not saying to take your anxieties and take your fears and put them on a shelf and never look at them again and run from them. But what it, what what you're saying instead is like notice them, um, have that awareness of like okay, I'm freaked out. Um, you know, and then kind of assess it. So assess it with like, like, look, I, I've dealt with anxiety and depression too. A lot of people do. And so it's really hard to kind of control those anxious spiraling loops when they happen. But, you know, the thing to do is, is kind of, you have to pay attention to history. And I think oftentimes what happens, so an interesting thing that our brain does (laughs) is that, we have this negative bias so you're going to remember things better if it was a negative experience so what that translates to in day-to-day life is your anxieties have these this thing to hold on to where they go well remember that one time that you know you did fail the test and you you know and it was just horrible and um and those are the things that fuel those thoughts. So, so instead, when these things happen, a test is just a great example because it's so, uh, it's so common. Right. Like a lot of you know everybody knows what that's like. So when when something like that happens, instead of running from it, just kind of like notice it and go, okay, let's assess this. Well, I've studied. I've done my due due due, <laughs> due diligence. There we go. Yes. And um, I've done all I can do. I've studied and I'm going, you know, I'm going to do, I'm going to do how I'm going to do and it's going to be fine. And um, really, too, I think the other thing is that nothing, I mean, look, nothing, this is going to be hard to say in an episode, like, so this might make a little, some people upset. Okay, like, I'm just going to accept it already. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to say in an episode when there's a pandemic happening, but there's not many things that are truly the end of the world like we make them out to be. No, absolutely not. Um, it, I, I mean, you're right. Your brain is kind of, I think, I don't, I, I don't believe that it's formed that way when you're born, but um, through experiences as a childhood, you go through some things. And I mean, you can have great parents, but there's going to be negative things that occur. And unless, um, 
you're in you're you're just with someone that's very very positive and and it's i don't even know that that's fair to say but um you, you it's just it, it's just the way it is so you just got to look look at everything with a case by case basis and i think it's really hard with the um just all that's going on in the world, all the, the, the deadlines everyone has to meet and everything. So it's just easier. It's easier to just say, just to give in to the negativity and just mm-hmm. and just be done with it and go on with your day. You know, because it takes it takes a little effort to stop, breathe for a second, and think, well, I can continue thinking negative about it, or I can, you know. Like you said, say, well, think about what you've done, pros and cons, and whichever way, you know, whether there's more pros or more cons, if you think about it like that, you're going to err on the side of, well, I'm just, I've done what I can do, and we're just going to leave it at that. Right. But, but the good news is you're on the positive side, and it, and it gives you the, the opportunity to, to just do great. Um, I've told you before, I, I feel like your mind is capable of doing whatever you, you know, help it do, help it, you know, train it or uh, just just go out of your comfort zone, step out of the box and mm-hmm. and, and get yourself, give you some, give yourself like a, a, a carrot, just lay a carrot further out for you to, to go to. Um, I mean, I, 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 not very long ago got an iWatch or the, what is it called? Apple watch. Yeah. Okay. So sorry. I'm, I'm always technology's trying to catch up with me. <laughs> <laughs> You're good. But so I get the watch and then I realized, um, you know, the little bit of reading up I did on it, it, it had a, a, an app that you could get that would track your sleep and just track your movements through the day um everybody that's listening probably knows exactly what i'm talking about um and so i downloaded the app and then after sleeping with my watch on one day i said i looked at it and then i clicked the sleep part and it said it showed me how much light sleep um i guess quiet sleep is what the middles may be called and then it said deep sleep well the deep sleep was just very little, very, very small. It was like less than 15 minutes. So I thought to myself, well, deep sleep is probably pretty important to <laughs> help you get a restful day the next, or, or to get enough rest to be ready to go the next day. I know, I know it didn't need to be a hundred percent or probably not even 50%, but I knew, I knew the very little bit wasn't going to be enough. So I thought, you know, so what can I do? And I thought, well, I'll just, I'll just, before I go to sleep, I will say to my, just can continue to say to myself, deep sleep, deep sleep, deep sleep. And then, and then I would go to sleep. Well, after a week's time of doing that, you know, my deep sleep amount on the app continued to rise. And then now it's not uncommon for me to get, you know, two hours of, of deep sleep. So you know, the, the moral of that story is you can train your mind to do anything that you want it to do. 
very similar to, you know, the parents out there, you know, we tell our children, you can do anything you put your mind to. And I don't know that when we say that to them, that we all truly believe that, but it, it's in my experiences, it's the truth. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I think, I mean, the important thing there is like, well, first of all, I just want to say just for sake of like, one thing that everybody's going to learn about me is that I, uh, I read research articles, not necessarily for fun, but kind of, yeah, for fun. So I do want to say like the negative bias that I was talking about is an actual studied thing, which, which is the reason why it's there. So if you think about when we were like humans that lived in tribes like or lived in you know small village communities and like way long before podcasts were ever recorded um you know if you heard like a rustle in the bushes uh you always had to err on the side of it being a uh bear <laughs> you right. know you you always had to react as if it were a bear because the the one time you didn't and it was a bear uh your whole family would have been eaten by a bear so <laughs> therefore yeah. that's what the negative bias is about it's not necessarily so so what's happened now is that we live in way safer environments yes there's a pandemic going on but in general we live in way safer environments than we used to where we don't necessarily deal with those environmental situations all the time um and so that very useful brain like ad adaption that we had has now kind of turned into this like uh achilles heel if you will where like you know we uh we get into these like anxious loops that really are not life-threatening but they feel life-threatening um so that was the one one point i did want to say but then the other research thing <laughs> i wanted to say is that the brain I mean, there's neurosurgeons, or I'm sorry, neuroscientists that will tell you we don't really know how the brain works. Right. And most of us, uh, in normal day-to-day -day life, you don't use your entire brain, like the capability that your brain has. And one thing that I really want to bring up that I think is interesting about you in particular, Dad, is that you've gone through... Uh, so if you talk to anybody that's had a, a near-death experience, it really fundamentally changes who they are as a person. And I think for you, uh, of course, I mean, it's been like it's been a change. <laughs> Spoiler alert, it's been a change for, you know, the better like you, you you're you're not like the totally different person, but you you've grown from that experience. But I think one of the things that it's taught you is the control that you have of your mind. And I'll be, I'd be interested in hearing you talk about um, kind of that, <laughs> interestingly enough, like the, the, the movement that you had to make through that, through that situation where you, you found out, okay, my kidneys are failing. I might not get, you know, I might not get a transplant. I'll be on, you know, just kind of that, that situation where you were kind of faced with your own mortality and, and kind of how you moved through that and, and um, I like speaking to that idea where you I think you really harnessed harnessed your brain and, and so yeah I'd like to hear you talk about that if, if you would 
Sure. And well, first, let me just say that Meredith, my daughter, she's she's going to carry the show because she's the statistics. <laughs> um, I, luckily, I just I provide the uh, I guess the color like the the guy when they're doing the sports, you you, you know, you do the play by play and then I just give you some feedback. So um, <laughs> you've got a lot of life experience that I don't it, have, too. Yeah. Kudos to you. Um, so yes, um, so right about 2009, I guess it was right about in April, I got very, very sick and within, well, over the weekend I was kind of sick and then by Monday I basically just didn't know who I was anymore and, uh, I was taken to the hospital and then about a day later when I sort of came to out of the clouds, they they said you your kidneys have failed so so then it took about two well two three weeks of tests and things and they they finally came back about the third week and said you know we've done some biopsies and we've done other things and your kidneys have failed and we they're in they're in stage renal which is stage four you only get stage one two three four with with a kidney so um Basically, my kidney function was about 15%. So they said it's going to continue to decline. So we're going to have to get you on dialysis once you get stable. And then um, once you become stable on dialysis, we'll see if your body is healthy enough to receive a kidney transplant. Um, so with all that being said, you're not guaranteed if, if your kid, anybody's kidneys are to fail, you're not guaranteed to just get a kidney transplant. A lot of things have to fall into place. Um, if your body's not, if your body would not take the kidney and allow it to, uh, well, I say if it wouldn't, if, if you were to get a kidney, but you had another major organ that was not doing so well, then they, they probably would err on the side of not giving the kidney because, you know, the kidney may not help the situation. So, right. so anyway, I, I spent about 30 days in the hospital and then when I came out, um, you know, you go through all the range of emotions. You, at first you're mad. I was mad because I had, I had had several visits in the years prior with urologists and didn't, didn't get any satisfaction. And then, and then here, here I am sitting here in a situation where I have, uh, my kidneys have failed. So Initially, I was mad. Then, then it that rolls to you know sad um, and complete confusion. You don't know. You have no clue what's going to happen. Um, you know, there's everybody around you is trying. Your family's trying to build you up and help you out. The doctors are, you know, telling you all the technical stuff, and it's it's really hard to hear. And it's and you know, for me nothing that I knew anything about, you know, they were spewing all this information to me, but I, I didn't understand what they were talking about. So, so then once you kind of get out of the mad and the sad, then your next stage is to, you start exploring, you start trying to figure out what you can, because you have to make it, you have to make sense of it in your mind. Well, no one's, you know, we've talked about this too, that, 
everybody's mind accepts information kind of on a different wavelength than maybe the next person. So the way I might hear the statement, well, your kidneys have failed and we're going to have to put you on dialysis. The way I hear that, you might hear it a little bit differently. You may, it just doesn't, you know, we're not going to always be here at the same way. So that's why you have to then take time to research it and, and help yourself understand what it all means. <coughs> Excuse me. So then once you get out of that, um, you try to just bring your life back to some of the reality that you, you, you knew it used to be, which is, is very hard to do. Um, so in the course of doing that, I finally realized that I was going to have to really do some, some deep soul searching, um, and, and, and realize that, you know, basically there was two paths that this could go. You know, the first path would be that I get on the dialysis, it gets settled, I put on the kidney transplant list, and then I'm given a kidney off the transplant list, and then I get a transplant. The second choice is I don't get the kidney transplant um, for whatever reason. Either my body can't accept it or I don't. I do, there's not a match for me because kidneys, I don't, I, I don't want to go into all that, but a kidney you have to match like with the person uh, that's, that's donating the kidney almost exactly in order for your body to accept it. So, you know, so the right. realities are, it's one or two things. You're going to, you're going to come out of it um, with a new kidney or you're not you're not going to be fortunate enough to have one that will work for you and you might pass away. So once I came to grips with that, I realized okay, well I need to process the fact that I could die. Um and that's not something you do with other people's help and and in my case I really just didn't talk to anybody about it cuz I didn't want to scare you kids. And, um, you know, my wife at the time, I didn't, I didn't really want to have that discussion with her. So it's something that you have to, you know, you just have to do the best you can, uh, processing it within your own brain and, and through prayer and through, um, I mean, in my case, I read, I, I looked up things online where I could, you know, read about similar instances with people and, and thought, you know, read some of their thoughts. Um, <coughs> so in short order, really, I think I'm, I'm not, I don't know how long it was, how long a period of time it was, but it, you know, one day I woke up and I felt, I felt relieved. I felt, um, Well, I, I, I just I just didn't feel the pressure that I had been feeling. And, you know, the thought that kept running through my head was, you know, it's okay. It's okay if you die. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I had I had processed it and I had come to grips. I mean, that's that's the only way I can put it is is you just have you come to grips. 
and the grip is I'm okay with that. Right. Well, I think there's two things here that I kind of want to highlight that are important is first of all that, I mean, you kind of spoke to this earlier, but first of all, that everybody's going to process that totally different. So, so my way of going about that is inherently going to look different than your way. And then in that, especially when you're dealing with something, you know, that's so acute as the situation that you were handling where, uh, you know, it's not just a very, you know, an, a, a senior, like a, you know, a person in their 90s that is is about to pass away. It's not a situation like that where, where you have some right. sort of forewarning, some sort of understanding that, okay, this is coming to an end. This is a situation where you've got young kids. At the time, I was, what, I don't know, 14 or so. Um, and, of course, I wasn't the youngest kid at the time either. Um I remember Twilight had just come out. I know you already said the year, but yeah, I just I remember that was happening in the world. Anyway, but the, the point is where what I'm trying to get to, sorry. What I'm trying to get to is that um I think what's interesting is is what ended up happening. So of course you got to the point of peace. And that's that's the great part, and that's what I'm talking about. What brought me to this conversation is when you get to that point of peace, when you release into it. And you make your peace with it however it, it's going to look for you. You uh, It creates this space to where you're free to live again. Because I think when you're so overwhelmed and um, upset and all of these things, uh, you kind of, you're in this state of chaos and disarray, which, uh, first of all, you can't just sidestep it. You absolutely have to go through the process that you went through. Um, for however long it takes, and there's no judgment call if it takes a long time. But what I think was interesting for you is that when you did get to that point of peace, and you, uh, and it is your life, I mean, yes, you're absolutely tied to your children and your spouse and uh, all, all the people that love you. You are tied to them. But it's your experience of death. It's not my experience of death. I mean, even now, it's like, you know, if I really think about it, I can go back to how I felt when I heard what was happening with you um, and how scared I was and how upset I was and I really thought I was going to lose you. And yes, it was terrifying. But then really, at the end of the day, I had to give you that space because it's not my life. And what you experienced was people got angry at you for having that peace and I mean you know again rightfully so angry or whatever like it everybody's feelings are validated in this situation but I wonder how it was for you to kind of deal with other people's emotions and and I think this is something that everybody that's ever dealt with death um will kind of resonate with this so uh how yeah how did you deal with you know people's heavy emotions well yeah you're absolutely right um because then once once i had made the uh, the conclusion and come to grips with it for myself i knew i needed to share that because it was important it was a big it was a big major milestone for me through that you know because of what had happened and i was excited and um i remember i went to my wife and 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 just a side note I, i was excited 
but at the same time, it's it's kind of like, I guess I'm experiencing it with my senior now is because she's been accepted to college. And so she's super excited to go off to college. But with that excitement, there's like we talked about at the beginning of the show, there's fear. You know, so you got to you got to figure out how to balance it. But so I guess the way I was going to tie that back is is so I was super excited, but I did have fear. And the fear was I still have you children. And, you know, the last thing I want is for y'all to lose your father. But as bad as that was, I had to trust and that that if that was the course that was going to happen, that everything was going to be fine. I had to trust, um, you know, pray and just trust that this was uh, this was okay, and that you you kids would would come out of that. Um, luckily, we didn't it didn't go that route. But yes, yeah, so so then the first person I talked to was my wife at the time, and of course, like you said, she she said you need to stop talking like that. That's, that's not fair. You don't, you don't get to do that. And I'm not really sure that I remember all the conversation and exactly what it was, but I I do remember, well, that's not fair of you. And I remember Mm -hmm. saying, well, I'm not sure that you have a say in the matter is kind of the way my mindset was, um, because you're not the one that's faced with this situation of it, it moving either I'm going to be alive or I'm not going to be alive. I'm going to pass away. So, so yeah, then there, then there's brought, then there's anger back in it. And, you know, now, now it's, you have to defend yourself. Well, I didn't feel like I had to defend myself. And for you kids, I, I, it was a, it was a, it was a topic I didn't want to have to talk to y'all about, but I, I think we had conversations that were real and, were that, listen, I don't want that to happen, but we need to prepare for that. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I vividly remember when you came over to the house one time, and I think I had just started dialysis because dialysis it didn't start till maybe in the fall. And, and you know, of course, I was diagnosed back in April. Um, seems like it was maybe September, October that I actually started dialysis. And so I remember you came over and I think you even said to me, you know, well, do you mind if I see what you're going through? Or, or maybe I asked you, I'm not exactly sure how it went, but so you came in and we, I was doing peritoneal dialysis the way I did it in the house. Um, so I had a tube that was inserted in my body, in my stomach, and that was where we, I used to put the peritoneal fluid in, and then it would drain out you know, a couple hours later. So, you know, I, I, like I said, I don't remember whether you asked or I said, would you mind? Cause I wanted you kids to understand it and see what was going on. So that, you, so I could maybe take some of the fear away for y'all. Um, yeah. And I think I'm pretty sure that during that, that time is maybe when you and I had our discussion about that, that it was, uh, that I had come to that conclusion in the situation mm-hmm. that I had, um, I had come to grips with that. And, you know, I, I don't like, I guess with the age I am and the memories, I don't, I don't exactly remember how it went, but I, I think we both walked away with it with, with, I, I, I would like to think you walked away with a little peace mm-hmm. from the situation. Um, yeah. I mean, 
I did, and I think that's the thing that um, that's the, you know. So to tie it back in, to tie it back into the to to kind of the the reason why we all we started talking about all of this is this idea that duality doesn't exist. Okay, um, and and what I mean by that is there is no uh, you know left or right. There is no black or white. There is no right or wrong. Right. Um, There can be two things happening at once. And so in this particular example, you know, yeah, I was absolutely terrified of of losing my dad. But I also was, you know, sitting with somebody who was, and yeah, I was young, but I've always been a little, I guess, I don't know. I've always had this different perspective. People like I've, I often am called an old soul and not so much anymore because I'm an adult, but as a kid. So, yeah, simultaneously, I was sitting with uh, the father that I desperately didn't want to lose. But I also was sitting with this man who was being faced with something that I surely didn't understand. And, and so why? How would it be fair for me to project my own fears onto you when you've got your own tall order of you know emotions that uh sorry for the bad joke but that you had to you know you had to like put your emotions through dialysis you had to like work with them and clean them and and put them back in in some sort of order that that may or may not make sense to me now in this case it absolutely made sense to me I've always you know, I've, I've, I do understand the world like you understand it, I think, for the most part. I mean, you know, you'll, you'll, people will, re- like, people will, as this podcast goes on, they'll see how our worldviews differ and how they're the same. But, but in this particular case, our worldview is exactly the same where, you know, we don't have to understand things the same for us to, uh, for us to allow the other person to have their own emotions, because um, I think that's when you get into situations where, you know, like you said, there was anger, there was absolutely misunderstanding. And, um, and, and, and I think too, I think people think that you having your emotions, like you getting to your place of peace, you getting to your place of, well, you know what, Whatever's supposed to happen is going to happen. That inherently steps on other people's belief that well, you can't, you can't die, you can't yeah. leave us here. Um, and I think that what we're learning, what I learned in this experience, and you know, in this particular experience, what I've learned in other experiences, um, especially this one here, the COVID situation, is that. Um, the world doesn't exist in black and white. The world exists in a bunch of gray area. Uh, there is no one particular thing or one particular experience happening at any given time, and everybody is allowed to have their own opinions. And I think that that, to me, is really the beauty of this entire thing. Right. And 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 it, it reminds me, it makes me want to mention, and we don't need to really explore it too much, but is is that we we need to be real with each other we need to be honest with each other we need to you know face things um like we talked about earlier is is facing things and don't and don't don't let the negative overrule the way you face it so you know i i tried to just 
let y'all kid let you kids know that th these are realities and that but I'm okay with it and we'll we'll make it through it um and I, and I did want to mention um you know the thing that kind of validated the whole process for me and I've told you the story before but um not long after that where I'd made that come to grips with it um and after I'd pretty much spoke to everybody about it. I had a dream and my mom had passed away back in 2003. Um, and the dream was the realest dream I had, I've ever had to, to this day. Um, my mom was there and I, we were in the same room. It was very vivid, very real. And the thing that I remember my mom saying is, Brian, everything is going to be okay. And, you know, when I came to, I just, I just knew that I was going to wake up and she was going to be standing there and she wasn't, but that's okay. And, but I know, I know for a fact that we had a connection that night. Mm -hmm. um, and that validated in me. See, she didn't say, she didn't say, oh, you're going to live, you're going to get a kidney transplant, or, you know, she didn't say anything other than everything's going to be okay. But that validate, that, 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 that made me, it, it opened up, you know, the whole experience then just opened up. And I, and I, you know, I mean, I did the peritoneal dialysis because I didn't want to be in a, in a dialysis center doing it, uh, the blood transfusion uh, style where they clean the blood. But, um, I wanted to live my life through this and be able to spend time with you kids. Um, for the simple fact of not that I was preparing to not be with you anymore, uh, you know, necessarily. I just, I just knew that y'all, y'all needed the best out of me. I needed to right. stand up and give, you know, you know, give y'all some, give you hope and show you how you, how you handle things that are difficult in your life. And, you know, it, I, you know, I, I, I don't really know that I've really thought about it this way till today, but, you know, it's, you know, I think that's a great lesson for you kids. And you, I mean, you could speak to that, but, um, so I'm not sure. I, I don't know if I answered that question, but that no, you things I were, you know, that I remember about it. Yeah, you did. And um, I mean, one thing that I do want to kind of harken back on um, again, uh, as you listen to this podcast, you will learn about me that I am a very, I don't know. I, I, I guess I call it kind of woo, like the woo woo kind of people, like the people that, uh, I, the things that I can't see and the things that I can't understand, uh, intuition is, is a great example of this. I think those are the things that I like to pay attention to. Some people don't, and it's, it's fine if you don't, but an important thing about, um, about your dream that you mentioned is that, um, in my worldview, you can't tell me those things aren't real and you can't tell me that that's not an experience that you had, um, Sure, um, you know, you can have whatever beliefs you want to have about it, and that's absolutely fine. But I think for me, 
uh, like you said before, there was a real connection there. And um, your brain, uh, like I said before, your brain's capable of so much, and we only use about, I don't know, 20% or something. Uh, fact check me on that. But uh, 20% of our brains at any given time. And um, just because you don't have a concrete logical answer for it doesn't mean that it didn't happen and um I really love when I really love when things that can't necessarily be explained um really serve to be validations um for the things that you you experienced in your waking life which in your waking life you had gotten to that point of you know peace and, and trusting trusting that it's going to be okay I'm, I don't know how it'll be okay um, but it will be okay and I think that um, the lesson for really if we want to kind of like encapsulate this entire episode because um, we are getting to the the hour mark here um, the lesson that I see the the, the theme of the episode is that um, look I mean life is hard sometimes experiences are hard sometimes um but really we have the ability like it's always your choice to like work through it however you need to don't you know your way is going to look different from my way and then at the end of it um you know you gotta like have that trust because ju just because I don't know how something's going to turn out, that doesn't mean it's always going to turn out bad. Um, so right. I'm not saying, I'm not saying throw your fear out the window. I'm not saying, um, things aren't going to look bad for a minute sometimes, you know, cause yeah, they, <laughs> sometimes things look bad. Um, yeah. but you just, you just never know. And I think as long as, you know, in one hand, you hold your hard feelings, you know, you hold your, your challenging emotions. And then in the other hand, if you can hold that trust, um, like for me, I, I just, I trust in the universe. I trust the forces at play are always gonna, um, uh, err on the side of benevolence and, and love, unconditional love. And, and, and I, I just call that the universe and you see the world the same way. And I'll let you speak to that in just a second, but you, you see the world, um, in the same way, but, but you give it a name, um, different than I do. And I don't know, I think that's a, a great way to encapsulate, um, the episode. And now I'll turn it over to you. If there's any final thoughts you'd like to give, then go for it. I, I, I think you did a great job actually, which you always do. Um, uh, yeah, I, I agree that, I, that I, I, I look at, you know, things similar. I do, you know, I do believe there's a God, um, and I pray to that. Um, but you know, I believe that, that the God in, in my life is the, the, the relationship that I have is between him, him and I. So I don't really, you know, expand on that that much. And, you know, um, and thinking about when you're talking about the fear and, and things that can help you uh, help you make the decisions, you know, I, I too, I'm a very common sense type person. Um, so, you know, I look at things sort of in that realm. And so for me, because of that, sometimes it's a gut, I get gut feelings. And um, right. I think everybody, 
everybody knows what I'm talking about there. And, you know, you just have to know your own self. And, but for me, you know, gut experiences and, and thoughts is generally, generally it's, it's the right thing. And, and occasionally I, I do stray off course and don't use my gut. And then I say to myself, well, I knew better, but, um, <laughs> there's, you know, but, but you said it right. I mean, there's, it's kind of hard to pinpoint exactly how I am or, or however, I, I have a lot of, you know, I've told Meredith before, I, I, I like to talk a lot and sometimes you have to hear a lot of information coming out of my mouth to be able to piece things together and sort of understand where I'm coming from. Um, so anyway, I mean, with that, I, I've enjoyed this this time that we've talked, and um, you know, I, I, I the I guess the thing I would say in in conclusion is I just look forward to our next conversation. Yeah, absolutely. I I can't wait to see where this journey uh, takes us, and I think that uh, I think we do make a good team because I I not all of your children. <laughs> Not all of my siblings uh, necessarily always hear you in the moment, but I think we all hear you eventually. Um, and I hope that I can kind of help to help to bridge that gap. But um, yeah, well, thank you so much for chatting with me. And uh, until next time. All right. Love you. <laughs> Love you too. All right. Bye.